Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of Tiger Pops Podcast, Analyzing Lily's Webtoon. So, today we have Julia and Dee on the podcast, and I will let them introduce themselves. Okay, hi, I'm Julia Simmons. I am from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I'm 26. I have two fur babies, and I live with my boyfriend here. Uh, I really got introduced to Webtoons around a few years ago and I just kind of I put it in the back of my mind and forgot about it and then quarantine happened and I saw the ad for it and I started this and I'm just addicted so here I am <laughs> I'm D. am 26 I live in Columbus Ohio uh, I'm a physical therapist and I have two cats and I found out about Webtoons through Midnight Poppy Land. I had no idea what it was. I just saw an ad on my Facebook and thought it was interesting and clicked it. And I've been addicted ever since. So, yeah. Same thing here. Click the Facebook ad and never looked back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, episode seven starts out. We... Um, we just ended at episode six where they, after Tora rescues, um, rescues her from the cat, you know, falling down from the tree after she rescued the cat, she ends up at Chevy's with Mr. Lamb and she walks in and is like, oh, this is going to be so wonderful, distinguished patrons, covers her eyes up and she sees it's Tora right there. And yep. there's this amazing shot of Tora with his suit and his impassive face and his golden eyes reflecting the golden background behind him. And Poppy is shook. I would be too. Uh, this picture of him is my favorite picture of him. He's I, uh, amazing in a suit. I'm sure he hates it, but he looks great. He really does. One of the things I really love about this picture, though, is the way the detail is in his tie. It literally looks like you could just reach out and feel it, and it just feel like a silk tie. It's so beautiful. Yeah, that's very true, right, with the shading and, like, the shininess. And his suit also, like, the labels are pretty shiny as well. Yeah. Yeah, Lily's yeah. art is amazing. Yeah, I've never noticed that before. <laughs> I actually but, just yeah. kind of zeroed in on it, because I usually watch, look at it on my phone, and I put it on the computer so it was bigger and I had more detail. And I was like, oh, my God, that looks so amazing. Right, I, I used to read it on my phone. Sorry, go ahead. Same, and I, I just reading it. Yeah, I switched to reading it on the tablet, and I realized, like, I see so much more, and it's so much more enveloping when it's on a larger screen. Yeah, so Poppy is very flustered. She has a big dump. She looks away, <laughs> sweat, you know, sweat marks, and she turns wide-eyed to Mr. Lamb, and she's like, let's head in the other direction. Mr. Lamb is confused. He's like, what are you talking about? The tables are just ahead. Let's go this way. You're not making any sense. <laughs> and Tora, of course, is, uh, he's still pretty impassive here. But his, um, you know, he widened his eyes a bit. Look, yeah. I honestly, I love this episode just because she's so reactive 
to him and his presence and it's amusing just how flustered she gets because of it <laughs> you yep. can definitely tell that Tora's affected I don't know exactly what's changed on his face like I can't pinpoint but there's definitely a difference between the original panel and the other panel that just shows him yeah it's like there's a recognition there but you can't quite pinpoint how he feels about it right exactly but we definitely know he's off he's been taken off guard right so the physical difference is you see that in the first panel his eye his eyelids are over um they kind of they're like a quarter of the way through his eyes his pupils and now in the second panel they have been lifted up so that you see his entire pupil Pupil? No, not pupil. The colored part, iris, right? Is that what it's yeah. called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you yeah, see, I that. see that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely some surprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so they're sitting down. They're looking at the menu. I can't forget to the menu or the proposal, but they're sitting in this, you know, posh restaurant, and she, Poppy tries to get talk about the proposal, but Mr. Lamb basically blabbles on and on. He talks about himself and how wonderful he is, and I made a huge profit, and you're, you wouldn't even know how big that is, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, she literally has, like, bubbles full of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel so bad for her in this. I, I honestly would just be so irritated. Like, oh, my gosh, stop. Mr. Lamb is being... <laughs> kind of rude yeah (laughs) and i i think a a lot of it ties into how he perceived her in the beginning when they first met up outside the restaurant and how he thinks she looks like a teenager and whatnot but i mean i i get what he's saying as far as you have to look for like you have to dress for the job you're you're doing but you also have to think about the circumstances of the person and she does she can't afford to do that just yet she's just starting out so I, it's oh, it's okay for him to to point it out, but her is just very dismissive, and it's yeah, it's kind of rude. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah, I think for for people that have already gotten used to a certain lifestyle, and they're you know he's already older, it could be that he struggled when he was younger. But people tend to forget what it's like, you know, at the bottom when they're already at the top. Yeah. And um, it also seems to me based on like, you know, the way he behaves later, we're trying to talk too much about it, but that, you know, it it takes him a while to warm up to people. And, um, you know, he might just be like his first, the first way he interacts with people is just to talk. And like, that's kind of like him getting to know people is to talk about himself a lot. (laughs) How does he get to know them if he won't stop talking? True, they're they're getting to know him. But you bring up a good point because it might be, he, I mean, he might just be shy and this is kind of his way or nervous. And this is kind of his way of uh, not showing that he could just be kind of uncomfortable. One of those nervous talkers that just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's essentially what he's doing with all the blah, 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 <laughs> you know, just not stopping. Uh, so who knows? All right, that's a good point. Maybe, you know, that's his, his way of compensating for nervousness, mm-hmm. <laughs> even at his age. So Poppy is persuaded, right? She She's worried about him not reading the proposal, and she worked really hard on this proposal. It matters a lot to her. It's her new job right out of the city, right out of, the, right out of college in the new big city. So she's worried that he isn't even reading the proposal. And while she's 
you know, trying to listen to Mr. Lamb, she is thinking back to Torah and she's shocked that she, you know, ran into him of all people. And she turns around trying to like inconspicuously look and she sees Torah on the phone with two of his business associates, one of whom is, I think, Shark, right? Spark. No, I and think, I think the those other part, those two might be like under him, whereas Sarch is with Martin. I think these mm. two might be because they seem to be very familiar with Torah in like um, I won't say personal way because he's not really personally familiar with many people, but something about their their conversation makes me think that they might be like his I guess underlings or whatever. Okay, okay, it's gonna be so anyway. So Torah's on the phone, but then he also goes to look at her, and he sees her looking at him. And she's looking all flustered, and he gives a tiny bit of a smile on his face. Um, I didn't necessarily perceive it that way, but Poppy does. You know, she gasps and turns around, turns beet red, you know, sticks her face in the menu or proposal, and she's like, is he smirking at me? Did he recognize me? Yeah, I don't see the smirk really either, but she's definitely, she's perceiving something out of this look that he's he's doing. It. Yeah, I don't see a smirk, but it's it's... It's definitely like a teasing look on his face, I guess you could say. There's just something about the way he's <laughs> looking at her, which uh, I think he wants to invoke a reaction from her. And he right. got one. <laughs> yeah, to me, it looks for like this, honestly. And, um, you know, a little bit more of an extension of him knowing that she's interested in him and giving him attention. And he's like, yeah, I see you seeing me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we pretty much can conclude he likes her right away. And we see more evidence of that because, you know, um, the the two associates that are with Torah look back at him and they see that he has this little smile on his face. He, like, lets out a little breath and he has this tiny little grin on his face. And then when Torah catches them looking at him, he gives them this death stare. And he's like, what the F are you two looking at? Turn around. Keep walking. <laughs> I loved these panels because it's just so cute to see how affected he is by her. Uh, but I also yeah. love this episode because you also see how much uh, Poppy is affected by him as well. Yeah. And I think that this little dynamic between the two of them is really interesting. This was, this was the episode that I did the that midnight tea time on for the power and control because there, mm. there's a lot of that going back and forth where they they each kind of have a little power over each other and their reactions to each other and how much it flips back and forth and it's just it's so it, I don't know I just I really enjoyed this episode for that because it really gives you that visual there there's something there it, they had this really short meeting in the train, but the, it had such a profound effect that it's it's causing this reactions between them, and it's really really adorable. Right, and she calls him a pervert. Like that's how she <laughs> sees him. You know, <laughs> she's not thinking too well of him at this moment. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, and that's kind of clear as we continue. Uh, throughout the episode as well right so in terms of like the the mafia part of this uh, episode so these two guys are flattered that they've been asked to come along and they have a private room in the back they're talking about how the place is so posh 
And you also see like the, the, the violence that these people are so used to. He's one of the guys says, good thing Big Bro Toro came out to get me. I was ready to wreck that security guard. And I think you're right. They might be his underlings because they're calling him Big Bro Tora, which is something that, you know, the people that would be under him would call him, not the people over him. And then uh, yeah, I see here and then the say who else is here, you know, that, um, you know, the derogatory term Martin and his little bitches. And so those they don't appear to be well liked Martin, Claude and Shark. And um so that's an indication that even within the clan, those three are not very friendly or nice, which is saying something for mafia members <laughs> to say that yeah. about each other. Exactly. There's clearly no respect for them. Yeah. Even within the no mafia. Respect. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so he's even excited that like moments ago that that Tora beat up on Claude, like he's excited about that. <laughs> Anyway, and that's when money to see it too. (laughs) Right, and like when they see, you know, that's when they see Tora, you know, with a little grin on his face, and they're like completely shocked, speechless. Tells them we were around, and Mister Lamb, meanwhile, catches on that Poppy is barely paying attention, and like burying her face in the menu, and he asks her what she's doing. She's like, "Oh, nothing." She lowers it. She's all embarrassed, and he keeps blabbling on about the profit that he made. And meanwhile, we see at the edge, there is, who is this guy? That's um, Shark. Okay, Shark. How do we, I cannot pronounce his I name. I, uh, it kind of flip-flops in my head. I just kind of stuck with Sarch after a while because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the CH in the front just like throws me off. So it's Shark, Shark, I don't know. <laughs> I Honestly, you said Shark earlier and I don't know, like kind of. If they're like silent, the the CHs or whatever, I I can see that making sense, and that would be an interesting. Calling him a shark would be really, it it, it just gives you an idea of his personality and who, how he behaves, and he he's a predator, and that mm. that would actually that actually makes a lot of sense. I wonder if that's actually what it's supposed to be. Like that's what I'm gonna call him from now on to make things easier. Shark. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and we see Thor has has the clan tattoo on his neck, just like Tora does. Yeah, he has I'm, it on the left I'm, side of his neck. I'm hoping at some point we get a confirmation as far as what the placement means of that, because there's there's so many different placements that we've seen, and it's just. There, there has to be a reason for it. The, with the gangs and organizations like that, the symbols, they mean something. And where they get to put them or who gets to have the, the I guess they'd say honor to have it, there, there's extremely high meaning in it. And I, I really hope that we get to find out what that is. Right. And one thing, you know, the neck is a very prominent place. So it's pretty hard to hide. So it's something that, whether it was their choice or not their choice whoever wanted that there wanted it to be visible yeah i think someone mentioned it as like a brand or like a collar right the the whole torah being vincent's dog and it being like his symbol of ownership on them yeah which is really really, that stands out Mm -hmm. yeah and something that you know even if they want to go out and try to disassociate themselves from that life they can't it's always there 
So Mr. Lamb throws in a little um, expository nugget that he is going to be meeting with the chairman of the Naren Traders Association at the Eastern Center of Commerce Building. That's something that, you know, Poppy is going to need later. And Claude, sorry, sorry, Shark is listening and he says, oh, he's been bragging since he got here. Any idea who he is, Mr. Financial Advisor? And the financial advisor is, we know from, <clears throat> I don't know if it's from this episode or a little later, his name is Ching Ma. And he says, naturally, of course I know. And he said, this is Fred Lamb. He inherited a large sum of money from his late wife and he's been investing ever since. And Shark, right, like right away, like you said, he's a predator. He doesn't see him as like, okay, someone interesting or whatever. He's ah, an old coot with tons of money for the taking. He thinks about what he can get from him. Yeah, definitely. Beelines to he's a target. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see he asks um, Shing, like, this will be a piece of cake. Are you interested? And Shing Ma is not interested. He's like, he's all yours. So, again, within the clan, like, you have different personalities. You have more aggressive personalities. You have maybe more stoic personalities, disinterested. We don't, we don't know much about Shing Ma at this point. He'll come up a little bit later. But, you know, we already see that he's not like Shark. Right. Shark's expression in the this will be a piece of cake scene is just it's really creepy it's so creepy i mean i was looking at it earlier and his hair it just reminds me of a slug like he's just slimy he's just (laughs) no get away from me i think what makes it creepy as well is because he's already getting joy out of this and nothing's happened yet like just thinking about what he can do to this man in the future is already putting a smile on his face yeah very disturbing So Poppy has gone to the bathroom and she's feeling overwhelmed and unhappy because he hasn't stopped talking about himself for the past hour. And, you know, she realizes what you said earlier, that maybe he's not taking her seriously because she looks like a teenager. And she's walking out a little disheartened. um, And suddenly she sees Mr. Lamb walking away with um, looks like Shark and someone else. And she's like, what the heck is going on? And why is he leaving? I haven't started on my presentation yet, which is also pretty rude on Mr. Lamb's part to just walk away with without telling her anything. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. another thing I don't like about him. It's just, he's, you're supposed to be a businessman. And how is that appropriate or professional to just walk out? What they might have said to kind of like butter him up. to get um him to leave with them because they must have said something very convincing right i i was like you know is he that naive like why is he going with these random people that he doesn't know Mm -hmm. and even poppy poppy is very young but poppy white already realizes she's like they're laughing but somehow something seems off to her and Mm -hmm. she you know she has this she instantly goes into like protective mode she starts running to him and, and screaming mr lamb wait and then Tora grabs her hand and she turns around and I mean, he's come out of nowhere, right? So this guy has, you know, taken a picture of her on the train, thrown her a sweatshirt. And now suddenly he shows up at the restaurant and grabs her hand. Very uh, kind of like aggressive and domineering behavior. He's definitely sure. like an, an alpha male. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he prevents her from doing what she wants to do. He says, where do you think you're going? I wouldn't do that if I were you, kiddo. And again, the use of the word kiddo, like, I am superior, you're a kid, I know what I'm doing, you don't know what you're doing, you're rushing into something that you don't know anything about, which is true. That definitely is true. He's trying to protect her, right? But he does that in a very domineering way. Correct. 
and I think that kind of spurs her reaction. Uh, her reaction is a little aggressive, very judgy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, you know, she doesn't even let him speak. She just starts making these assumptions. And I mean, smart assumptions, but basically saying, you know, you and those two men are part of this illegal syndicate. Um, even without not listening to you kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is that Tora's reaction, one thing that we know about Tora is that he's used to constantly being judged and it pains him to have that. And mm-hmm. there's this girl that he really, he liked right away pretty much. And she does that right away too. You know, she says you're part of some illegal organization and it's the reality, but I'm sure it must hurt to, to have everybody associate with you with that, especially somebody that you like. That, that's kind of how I read his expression with the tisk. It was kind of a oh, so you're just like everybody else kind of expression. Like he he wasn't, he was expecting her to be different because he sees her as like this cute, innocent girl. And she turns out to have the same assumptions about him that other people do. And like you can, you can see in his expression, that's kind of, he's taken aback by it a little bit. I think it's interesting that he's taken aback, but he's not really shutting down, if that makes sense. Like, he still has expression on his face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that has to do partly with the expression on Poppy's face. She has this just innocent look in her eyes. Like, she's clearly just really worried about Mr. Lamb. She's not trying to intentionally hurt his feelings. She's, you know, anxious. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that also shows strength on her part, right? She yanks her hand out of his and just says, if you'll excuse me, which is, you know, does show some politeness and leaves, walks out. So, you know, there's this, there was this essence of like, yes, he wanted to stop her and, and protect her, but then she doesn't let, let him do that. She's her independent being. <laughs> I think one of my favorite lines from Jane here, I'm an independent spirit and, you know, you can't contain me. And, um, and she leaves and she wants, she does what she wants to do. And she does what she does to protect other people. And to help other people, which is classic Poppy. And he stands there and he crosses his arms. So it's kind of like a little bit of an angry expression. But I think he's also impressed by her ability to defy him. Yeah, she's not afraid of him. She was more anxious about what was happening with Mr. Lamb than being afraid of him. Which, yeah, he's he's very... Contemplate. He's contemplating how he feels about what just happened. I don't think it's that straight up. Well, screw her kind of thing. It's more of a like. I wonder what's going on in her head, kind of look to me. But he's 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 trying to decide like what he should do in this situation like he's i don't think he's used to someone not listening to him so he's just standing there like um should i no maybe i should stop her no i'm just gonna let her go i guess like he's just just letting her go (laughs) i'm pretty sure he's not used to hearing someone defy him (laughs) especially not this tiny little girl yeah yep and i think that Tora, you know, would ultimately like her better because of that. Maybe not at this very moment, you know, he's not, he hasn't thought that through, but in the long run, 
would he be happy with somebody who was this meek little thing who had no personality and no will of her own? I don't think so. You know, Tor is a very strong person and he needs somebody with a strong will to match him. That's very true. Absolutely. And I think also what's interesting. really bored with someone who is like that. Right. And I also, I don't think that Poppy is not scared. I think that she is scared because she constantly mentions how he's intimidating, but I think that she, she works through her fear. And I know that's like, um, you know, if you're thinking about the definition of bravery, bravery is not not being afraid, but it's working, being able to process things and go do things despite being afraid. Okay, so maybe it's more she doesn't cower from him than afraid. Mm-hmm. But I did notice right before she pulls her hand from his, she kind of bites her lip and she's got like mm-hmm. this worried expression. Like she's she's unsure what's going to happen when she does this, but she kind of steals herself to doing it anyway because she, her goal right now is to get to Mr. Lamb. So she's preparing herself for what might happen. And then she just goes for it and walks away. Right, that's an excellent point. And we can read so much from Lily's like little details in drawings because she really puts in so much effort and draws them with so much expression on their faces. Yes. I think that's what I love about her work the most is that, you know, there's literally more than meets the eye. What we're seeing initially and what we can interpret just it's endless. Mm-hmm. And I, I swear, every time I go back, I find something new or someone else will point out something that I totally missed. And it's there. there's even on an episode so far back, like I didn't really notice the tie at first. And now I'm like, oh, my God, that's such great detail. So you there's always something new to learn in this. And it's mm-hmm. it's really cool how well she does that. Right. And that's like why I specifically wanted to have several people on each podcast because everybody contributes so much and everyone notices things and different things. So we need like everybody's input to get the full picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so Tora leaves and he calls Quincy and he says, yeah, I'm leaving now. We, we have not been introduced to Quincy yet. I don't think so. Um, but he calls somebody named Quince and he says, I'm leaving now. Yeah, no reason. Didn't feel like staying on. Your conference starts in a couple hours. Get ready. I'll pick you up in 30. And you see here, it's an interesting dynamic right away because he's picking him up in 30 minutes. So he's obviously, you know, in some way subservient to Quince, Quincy, and he has to pick him up. But then he's the way he's lecturing him, tell, you know, he's commanding him, he's ordering him. So it's this interesting push and pull dynamic. You know, he's underneath him, but he's also bossing him around. Mm-hmm. One thing I really like about this is how he's like, oh, no reason. I just didn't feel like staying on. I feel like that was him more trying to convince himself that what happened didn't affect him so much as him telling Quincy why he decided to leave. It was more of him trying to remind himself it didn't matter. Just it didn't matter. But then we see it matters because he starts thinking about it. And then suddenly he's like, crap, it really didn't matter. And he turns around. Exactly. He's like, he's bringing it up in his head and he's looking at her expressions. He's gazing out the window while he's driving with this, like his furrowed eyebrows. And and Lily zooms in. Um, We just did an episode with Peg, Saucy Puggles. And she points out how Lily does like a back and forth and back and forth. So, you know, it switches between Tora in the car, 
a, you know, a panel of Poppy. Torah in the car, panel of Poppy. Torah in the car, and each time it zooms in closer on Torah so that we get more of his expression and we get more involved in his emotional. And then, like you said, he just makes a split decision, turns around, and switches lanes because he's trying to go find her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just drawn after her. This part really took me back to the the first episode with him and Goliath sending him messages and he's like you gotta come help me and first Tora's like yeah I don't care and then he starts thinking about it and thinking about it and then he's finally like crap I have to go do something I can't like he's literally doing what she was saying about how she can't sit by and watch and he couldn't just sit by and do nothing and I think that was kind of playing in his head maybe when he was thinking about it was she's doing no different than I would do and Mm. it's really I don't know it it was a parallel to me as far as showing he's innately protective and he's more of a defender than an attack dog as some people have, have seen him as or at least as Vincent wants him to be portrayed as. And he's seeing the the similarity between her and him as far as wanting to protect people that they know. And he's even doing that with her with the whole notebook thing. He's trying to protect her. So I think that was one of the reasons why he turned around is I can't sit by and do nothing either. Even though he probably doesn't care about Mr. Lamb, he does have some interest in her and protecting her. Right. That's a really fantastic point about him being a protector and not an attacker. And I think he also knows that Mr. Lamb is going off with, um, you know, Shark and this other person, and he knows what they're capable of. And he doesn't is afraid about her safety as well. Definitely, because he would be more than aware of what those two are capable of. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's looking and in his usual manner, you know, he it shows him like accelerating really fast, right? Tor is an aggressive driver and, you know, people are quite upset with him <laughs> and he sees her fumbling through the crowd, bumping into people. People are getting annoyed at her and she's apologizing. And, you know, he's, he has like this look on his face watching her. I think that, you know, he realizes that he doesn't like when people judge other people and he, he knows what it's like to be the outsider and to be the one that people are upset at. So I think that he has this moment of sympathy with her when he sees that she's trying her best to reach Mr. Lamb and she's getting people upset at her. You know, everyone's looking at her and calling her rude and you made her drop my phone and criticizing her. And I think that he sympathizes with her and feels bad for her. And then he, you know, immediately twists his car. We have this screech and we have other people, you know, yelling at him and giving him the finger, learn to effing drive, get off the road. And he's like, again, looking at her, she's, this poor thing is running through the clouds. Pardon me, let me through, please. And she's having trouble getting through such dense crowds. And he has this really concerned look on his face. Then he expresses it in a very Torah-like way. Hey! <laughs> Can we also back up and just mention <laughs> the angry driver <laughs> who's yelling out his window at Torah <laughs> about learn how to drive and get off the road until you do? <laughs> I don't know why, but I found it to be a comedic relief (laughs) at that point. Um, 
because <laughs> honestly, if that driver was face to face with Tora, probably wouldn't say anything to his face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He has that safety of, I'm going to say, fuck you, and then drive away really fast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, to go back to what you were saying about parallels, uh, I think that this is another parallel to when, you know, he's seeing Poppy kind of being judged by this crowd and being treated poorly, even though she's trying to do her best to help someone. Uh, and I think that really resonates with him while he's just sitting in the car right there, too. And also a sense of there's no way she's going to be able to do anything if she does re- reach them. So he's he's thinking, if I don't do anything, she's going to get hurt, one. And two, I'm going to have to live with that. And he's just like, um, I guess I'm going to have to step in or this is going to be an epic fail. <laughs> It's a good point. Right. And yeah, Poppy seems, when she hears his voice, she kind of seems frozen. And, you know, she has these sweat marks on her face and her eyes are wide open. And she seems kind of nervous. I wonder if she recognizes his voice. But in any case, someone yelling hey at you is quite arresting. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's such a busy street. It could have been anyone saying hey to any person. So I feel like she did recognize that it was him and he was talking to her because I mean, if you're walking down a busy street and someone yells, Hey, you might glance around to see who said it, but unless you know who it is and they're talking to you, it's just kind of a reflex. It's not, Oh, they're talking to me automatically. And she's automatically just nervous. And like you said, looks kind of like she froze. I think she did recognize who it was. And she's like, mm. oh, crap, he followed me. Right. And I think just out of, like, this is a tangential note. What do you all think of his red car? His, like, flashy red car? I think it's really perfect for him. <laughs> I bet you, honestly, I bet it's kind of deceptive in that it's it looks just like any other car, but it's more powerful than just your normal car i feel like that's one of the things that he actually puts effort into when he's like when he's buying things because like we've seen he doesn't have a lot of personal possessions so i feel like that would kind of be like his baby almost and he Mm -hmm. put a lot into choosing it and what he like what I don't know, things he, he adds to it. I'm not a car person, but how <laughs> it's his way of expressing his personality in what he owns because there's so little that he does. That's the one thing that he has control over, what type of car he drives. And he picked something bright and fast and loud and absolutely Torah in <laughs> what he chose. I mean, I think it's a little bit of a warning too. Uh, just the color and the shape of the car, especially in the panels, like compared to all these other dull cars uh, that he's different, not to be messed with, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I think he, I think he got it deliberately as an intimidation 
uh, tactic because he knows he understands very well that people's images and perceptions are crucial, especially in his line of work where he needs to intimidate people. Pulling up in a beat up old car is not going to have the same intimidation factor as this flashy red sports car. And it's probably very recognizable. Anyone within the organization would probably see it and know that's Tora's car. Mm, right. Which I'm assuming whenever he wants to be incognito, I'm assuming he gets something else, which we actually do know from later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are your final thoughts on this episode? Anything, you know, about summation? I... Just- I I loved this episode. It was very back and forth and it shows a lot of each of their characters as a person and gives you a little more insight. And I, I love how it continues though. That's for other podcasts, but I, I really, I really like how this whole scene continues. Yeah, I think this has been a great look into their personality and their dynamic as individuals and then kind of together. Uh, I really love that Tora, and I mean, I'm making assumptions, but Tora can kind of see himself in Poppy a little bit uh, based on the action she's making. And I also like that Tora was able to see Poppy as someone who maybe has some of the initial reactions of most of the people he he meets, but also strays from the norm or what he expects her to do. And I think that it's a good base for, you know, getting to know each other. Right. And I think that's a key uh, issue about Poppy is that she, her appearances are deceiving for both of them. She looks really innocent, but she has a tough core. Tora obviously looks tough and he has a, a sweet core. He's yeah. a cinnamon roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I discovered when I started reading webtoons, there's like a language of, that people share. You know, every every like profession has its own, you know, language and there's like its own vernacular. So I discovered cinnamon roll is a webtoon popular classic. <laughs> there have been a lot of things where I'm like, oh, wait, what? And then I have to like really look and try to figure out what it is exactly is this supposed to mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. The webtoon community. Well. <laughs> like OTP one language. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like for example, any of us when we see strawberries or poppies or tigers, we just think of Midnight Poppy Land. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Can't help it now. Yep. I'm actually. I want to do another podcast um, separately once I finish catching up with all of these on how Midnight Poppy Land has affected our life in big ways and small ways. And I'm, you know, very inter- interested in hearing how people, you know, people's responses for that. That would be really interesting. Because, yeah. you know, like, stories, I I read a lot, and there's so many little things that you learn from the stories that y- you don't really pick up on it at first, but it, it changes your view of things. And that's one of the great things about art and stories, and I, I love how this is both in that it's it's a story but you also get the visuals with it 
and that the story has that impact on you and it's not always an immediate thing that you notice but after a while you do kind of pick up on those kind of things that there's there's been an impact on it and I think that's one of the things that like even artists really enjoy being able to do is impact the people that read their stories or look at their art yep yeah I mean I definitely somebody who wants to write novels I definitely appreciate the capacity for storytelling to change our lives I want to be an author someday too (laughs) (laughs) amen really hoping I don't die young before that happens oh my gosh now is literally the perfect time I mean we're all kind of stuck inside so unfortunately I don't have that luxury (sighs) man (laughs) I've been aside from the initial quarantine I ended up having a fever not that I actually had COVID but I wasn't able to go to work for two weeks so that that was when I found webtoons but Mm -hmm. other than that yeah I still gotta go to work (laughs) thank you so so much for for coming on it was really fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having us. I yeah. <laughs> this was awesome. I love fangirling with other people. <laughs> Especially people who get it. My boyfriend's yeah. always just looking at me like, you're being dramatic. Exactly. You don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, yeah, it's fun. That's why I love the Facebook group too, because everyone is literally just as obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, very validating. <laughs> you can share all your little crazy things that you see throughout the day there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julia and Dee. Really, really appreciated it. Well, yeah, I'm super excited. It's like the, the week that cannot pass fast enough. I mean, I like living, but like I also like Fridays. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't read on Fridays, I read on Saturdays, but um, still. <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend's like, hey, we're going to do this. And I'm like, we can't, it's Friday. And he's just like, what does that mean? I said, it's Friday. <laughs> I told I told my friend once, I was like, oh, um, no, I can't like video chat tonight. It's like, you know, Friday night or whatever, whatever. And she's like, do you have a date or something? I'm like, no. Midnight Poppy <laughs> Land? Yeah. yeah exactly. like, no, I'll just be busy. <laughs> this time is allotted for my webtoon. Sorry. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and then you know especially because um like people are posting too like I try to you know start the episode uh Facebook posts like the weekly ones not the fast pass ones I leave that to Heidi but (laughs) and then you know just accepting some of the posts on Friday night as well so I, I try to leave that open so that way everyone can have fun with each other on Fridays hmm Okay, was that, so which, um, you're a moderator of one of the groups then. Sorry, I fit, just figuring that out. And then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, okay. That must have sounded weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so usually I do Wednesdays uh, post, and then I do the, the Friday non-fast pass post um, for you guys. <laughs> I'm definitely Aww. glad I found that. I... I started on webtoons and then i found the patreon and i don't remember what made me i think someone made a comment about the facebook group and i was like oh my god there's a facebook group (laughs) and then i had to like go and find it 
<laughs> that's how I was too. I was just so obsessed. And I was like, there has to be other people out there who are as obsessed as I am. And when I found the fast, the Facebook group, I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> I can actually talk to other people about this. So, and then we've only like, we've grown so much too. Um, mm-hmm. From just like when I initially became part of the group to now. Uh, so that's been mm-hmm. awesome as well. Yeah, so I actually looked up um, Patreon, like the highest, um, the creators with the most most patrons. And Lily is is really high up there. Lily is like number 23, but she's on par. There's like a couple of others who are also like 12,000 something. So she's really close to them. And I know since I joined, gosh, I joined Pebble also two months ago, she went from like 8,000. Now she has 12,000. So I am pretty sure she's going to be growing and just, you know, surpassing even the other ones, which is really, really astounding. But it, like also her Patreon is by far the best one I'm part of like she mm-hmm. so much content so much content so much interaction um and it just makes it worth it like I will, I will be a patron forever <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I had actually right before I found webtoons I'd actually um stopped supporting all the other patrons that I had been people that I'd been supporting because I wanted to save money and then as soon as I found this I was like I want to pay her for her work yeah. I was just determined yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was so so moved by it. I was like, you know, I know how much effort goes into this. I want to pay her. Mm-hmm. She this this comic was the first one where I was like, I I really want to contribute to this. I found a few others over time, but this one this was the first one that grabbed me, and I was just like, I I want to be able to do something to give back because it's been such a joy to have this in my life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 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 and she deserves it she really does you can tell that she puts so much effort into her work not to say that others don't but I mean it's just it's different when I mean the whole premise is a romance quote-unquote but there's so many side stories to this as well whereas some of the like some of the other webtoons I read you know there might be like supernatural elements that they can lean on as well as the romance or a thriller, et cetera, et cetera. But when it's, when it's a quote unquote, like straight romance, it's a lot harder for it to be compelling. <laughs> and so for Lily to be able to do that, I think is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. 